I love it that today we have different names for different things and we're talking about multiplicity. So it actually makes sense. Um, we're going to be talking about polyamory and we have three guests here with me. Ang, Tof, and Kyoshi, which aren't their real names, but this is what they've chosen. I'm going to just let it let it start by having you three introduce yourselves with your pseudo name, your avatar name, and just tell me why you chose it to begin with so we can start with that. Because I'm sorry, I confess, I don't know anything about avatar. <laughs> Please, somebody start. So this is, this is Avatar as in the Nickelodeon television series and not James Cameron's Avatar. <laughs> okay. uh, this, is, this is Kiyoshi. And uh, Kiyoshi is one of the characters in the show Avatar and uh, is a type of character called an Avatar, which is a, a person in the Avatar world that can manipulate all four elements, earth, air, fire, and water. Cool. So it's very Chinese, or should I? Is that yes? There are East Asian, Asian, Asian. East Asian, yeah. a lot of East Asian or Asian, and various um, indigenous culture that's inspired the show. Yeah, and um, my name, the name I've chosen for myself is Toph, and Toph. Actually, I'm just looking at my two friends here. They're both the Avatar, and I, and I only master one power. <laughs> my power is earth bending. And I'm always connected with that character because um, because Top is very small and very grounded and um, and also have this like really big personality. Um, yeah, and Top is very strong. So I think that's why I I'm very drawn to Top the character. Cool. Thank you, Top. And that leaves Ang. Yeah. Ang, Ang, sorry. Uh, no worries, no worries. <laughs> um, is uh, I guess, well, the lead in the original show, the Avatar in the original show, and um, Ang is a very uh, relatable character to me as a non-binary trans person. I've always related to uh, free flying boy characters uh so it's a kind of a similar relationship i have to peter pan is uh relatable in that way that um and uh ang is originally uh airbender which is also i guess the name of the show is the last airbender uh and the yeah that feeling of always wanting always dreaming of flying always dreaming of um, being able to fly free uh, is relatable to me. I love that. Yeah. I, I love that, you know, you you all gave yourselves names like this because it adds a another layer to this conversation of what we aspire to be, what we think we are, how do we see ourselves and our identities and all that. Kyoshi, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I, I missed how you described your character name and what it plays in in Avatar. Yeah, I I realized I didn't say that. <laughs> okay. So Kiyoshi is is an avatar character, but in the avatar world, only one avatar exists at any one moment. And when that avatar passes away, then they become reincarnated in the world as another person um, with the same spirit and memory 
an ability of all past avatars. So Kiyoshi is maybe two avatars removed from Aang. Is that right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And, okay. <laughs> and, and there are books written about Kiyoshi that I am about to read, but I haven't read yet. So there's a lot that I don't know about Kiyoshi. But Kiyoshi was a very strong avatar, very big personality and also large in size, like just body size, very tall and uh, big feet and very strong willed. And so that's how I connect to Kiyoshi is that I, I have a very strong like personality inside me, whether or not I'm able to show it, but inside, like I, that's what I aspire to, I should say, is that I, I want to be outwardly as strong as Kiyoshi is, but I also feel that strength within me. Yeah, there's that inner and outer aspect. That's cool. Thank you. All right. So you all introduced yourselves and your kind of your avatar name, which I think is really cool. And now I'm really going to read up and watch watch the show now. Um, but going back to our topic on polyamory. So, you know, in today's um, conversations about gender identity and all that, you know, the spectrum has become so um, l- wide and um so my even like my daughter's generation, you know, I look at I look at the younger generation and the idea of non-binary is so normal to, you know, that that an older generation like myself, I'm just going to put myself out there, sounds so old fuddy duddy when I ask questions, you know, even using the word like um, homosexual is so passe, like you can't enter this conversation without normalizing these ideas of these non-binary um identities. And so I'm not sure how we get into it for for people who are uh, listening to us and maybe don't understand or never heard of the word polyamory. Does anybody want to give a specific description? Or as I understand it, it's just having multiple partners. um, But that means a lot. So that just means that you're not monogamous. You're not like, you know, um, holding on to just one partner at a time. Is that how as simple as it is? Or Am I missing something? Obviously with consent, right? Like you, everybody knows about the poly as aspect of the relationship. Yeah, I think <laughs> actually it would be great. I think if we could also go around and define it for ourselves too, because as I understand um, folks who identify as polyamorous also define it differently, right? Mm. Uh, in a similar way that that queer is often defined differently depending on the person. Uh, It can mean different things for different people. And um, since I'm talking, I'll keep going. But (laughs) um, for me, polyamory is, um, it's absolutely consensual. Uh, I think as often uh, consensual non-monogamy is also another way of uh, saying the same thing. Uh, So it is the um, ability to have uh, multiple partners uh, with everybody's knowledge and consent. Um, It's not to say that cheating doesn't exist because boundaries are for everybody. (laughs) Uh, So it's not to say that there are no boundaries in a polyamorous relationship. Um, But to me, it means I have autonomy to be my own human and my relationship does not define me, or my relationships do not define me. 
Um, and uh, I have, uh, I just embrace that I fall in love with people every day, uh, that I have people in my life who I love very deeply, who I'm not sexual with. I have people who I don't love, who I am sexual with. Um, and there is that, um, that openness and that freedom. And I always describe polyamory as uh, an identity, a practice and a philosophy for me and my life. Um, and I'll just end there. Um, That's great. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, actually, polyamory, it's a, it's a, for me, I look at it as an umbrella terms, um, that it's anything but uh, monogamy. And also, if you just look at the word polyamory, it means more love, a lot of love, multiple love. And because ever since I was uh, younger, like teenagers or young adults, I, I often question like why like why is that there's only one form of relationship model being presented and myself as queer non-binary and poly now i have the language to understand and 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 share my identity my core um but at the time for me it's it's really difficult for me to wrap my heads around and, and always feel myself being different but then there's so much stigma carried around in almost all of the identity that I, I just named. And so for me, um, the more I learn about what polyamory is, it's really liberating because it doesn't have one definition. It's all about honoring what each individual is about and how they create their relationships. And, and I think that personally, when I think about it, it's it's about more having more than one committed relationship, more than one partners, uh, significant others, and and at the same time, it's also how I shape my life, um, and my choice of career, how I dedicate my time and build relationship with my work, and the community that I I develop and build. So I'm not just defined by one relationship, but many of them, and yeah, so. It's a very expensive terms and name and and when I started um embracing this identity of mine, which was um I actually don't remember maybe ten fifteen years ago, and I remember asking like where on earth can I find people <laughs> like to to like celebrate this identity with me when when I look around being Asian, especially it's so difficult. Um, to find model like that and and um and also like the stigma like I mentioned earlier which also carries a lot of um derogatory uh weight of like referring to this t forms of relationship and that is a lot like that to live with and how you carry yourself as you as you explore um which maybe we can go into late more later. But yeah. yeah. So I'm going to stop here and pass. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there because there's a culture aspect that I wanted to ask, but we'll do that later. But I also, you, what you said made me think about, you know, how when we have to fill out these stupid 
government forms and there's always a box for identity or, um, you know, not just the gender part, but the race part. And it, it, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, if you're not just one thing, why do I have to select one, you know? And it's, it's, um, it's a refusal kind of to, to reduce ourselves to one thing that's been standardized and defined by others. And who are those others, right? Who, who, who are those people in power that have to tell us who, who we think we should be? So it, it's almost a revolution of how we are kind of redefining ourselves, I think. But maybe it's, I, I understand it's also been around forever. Um, but these terminologies, as you had mentioned, um, you know, come into play in how we can use that as a tool in a way. So very cool. Yeah, Kyoshi, what do you want to add to it? Yeah, I'm really resonating uh, with what you just said and with what Toph has been saying about uh, polyamory being an, an umbrella term. And I, I, I also see it as uh, a spectrum, spectrum of many kinds of possibilities within, within relationships. And I have always struggled with this like the binaries that society makes us like have to feel like we have to fit into first with first with gender uh, growing up and being assigned female at birth and being really pressured to wear dresses where I didn't really feel like that was a reflection of who I was and uh and then later as a sexual identity, then having to choose between being gay or straight. And if you have feelings for certain genders, then to the opposite gender, then you must, if, or if you have, sorry, if you have feelings of attraction to the same gender as you, then you must be gay and you, and you are not straight. I, it, it really messed with me as a young person you know, then putting myself in that gay box and then struggling with, with other feelings for other, for other people outside of that box. And it's really unfortunate. Uh, and then with relationships, with monogamy being like put on a pedestal of like, that's the ultimate. We're shown it so many times in, in our communities and families and lives and in the media and everything. And, and trying to, you know, put all of that pressure on one partner to be that everything for you, your other half, the person that completes you. And it never was something that was fulfilling for me. And I didn't know at the time that there was anything else, like any other possibility. And so coming, uh, having, having a lot of other queer friends really helped because uh, a lot of folks in, in the queer community are more open about many other different things and kind of challenging those social binaries a lot more and um, being comfortable with and encouraging being more on a spectrum and not being one or the other in many different um, aspects of life. And I, had, I have really great friends that, that were modeling various polyamorous relationships when I was a young person and, and I was able to kind of ask them questions about it and they were able to kind of guide me to explore like, oh, what are those possibilities of different kinds of relationships? What could they look like? Um, here are things that you could read about to learn more about it, see if that's something that you might fit into and um, 
what I found in that exploration is that me personally, I am, I'm, I am capable of expressing love, you know, many different kinds of love, romantic love and uh, friendship love to many, many people at the same time. And it doesn't mean that I only have one pie of love and can only split it out to that many people. Love is infinite. You can have, you can have so much of it. Doesn't mean that if you love multiple people, it doesn't mean you love anybody less, right? I love all my members of my family just because I love more than one person in my family. Doesn't mean I love each one of them any less. Mm. I love them all the same. And so when we open that up to, um, when I open that up to romantic relationships, it's just like, I, I want that. I want more love in my life and not to limit myself. And, and that's how uh, I came to polyamory. That's very cool. But I think I, you know, coming, if I can, I can't speak for anybody, but, you know, coming from a, a very binary upbringing, it, it's very hard to wrap your head around um, multiplicity in relationships. But when you use that analogy of loving family, then it totally makes sense. Like, I, I think it's just how we kind of approach it and where we're, what context we're coming into this, whether it's cultural influences, um, religious influences, and you just, you know, your immediate family influences. So I think there's a lot of stuff going on there. Why don't we, you know, now that you all shared that, and it was so great that you all kind of, you know, really gave depth to understanding what polyamory is. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll um, dig deeper into what it means in your life and 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 how it gets complicated continuing a conversation on polyamory you know it's such a a word so loaded and um first i wanted to you know go back to oh wait i have to reintroduce you all um Ang Tofenkyoshi, avatar names, uh, but um, coming here to share thoughts on what it means to be polyamorous. And um, in this day and age, you know, that term, I mean, the reason I thought of it recently is also because I had seen a recent show on the Red Tent with, what is her name? What's Jaden Pinkett's daughter's name? Willow. I don't know if you ever watched the, um, the Red Tent. I highly recommend it. It's it's a show of three generation of of women of color, um, and they're all well known personalities, of course. And so that's the draw. But they have uh, they insert their generational perspectives and their worldviews on subjects that kind of challenge the norms or you know anything to do with race and gender and all these things so anyway the daughter willow who is will smith's daughter comes out and talks about how she's polyamorous and she so her mom's like very open going okay you know yeah i that's great you know i support you with weird decision you know trying to be the open mom and then the grandma who looks beautifully young you know and elegant she's going I'm not sure I can accept that or I don't understand it because she's coming from a different generation, right? So there's a lot of this kind of generational attitude. But at the same time, you know, this stuff's been going on forever. It's it's just life. It's just we've been reduced to these binary identities because of the structures we live in. So it's just really interesting to think of it as a generational thing. And were you going to say something? Yeah. Yeah, actually, I would like to jump in and sort of also tag on a bit to what Kiyoshi was speaking about in the previous section, but um, I think it's sort of a, (laughs) I think it's a misconception that polyamory is new. I think the word is new. 
but it's actually monogamy <laughs> that is new, right? That is a, a brand new concept. And, um, you know, coming in with like colonialism and, and white supremacy and like a lot of, you know, religious supremacy as well, like that's the brand new idea you know that's only been around for a few hundred years or so but like not nearly as long as humanity has been around and um just wanted to like add on a bit to like what kyoshi was speaking about in the previous um section about how polyamory can be really liberating also uh because it means that my body is mine right? No one else has access to my body. No one else has a right to my body except me. And, and I have found a lot of liberation in that as well, that I do not have a right or ownership to my partner's body in any way, just because we cohabitate, just because we, you know, love each other very much, like, their body is theirs, you know, and like they, they have every right to do what they want with their own body. And we, we trust and believe that, that our bodies are our own and we will make our own decisions about our own bodies. Um, and I think that is, can be really liberating for everybody, right? Um, that um, there is, especially in a lot of uh, like, you know, this idea that you, you, you wait for the one and your body can only be with that one person. And if you have not just been with that one person, then your body is ruined, right? And you're like defected in some way or defective. And, um, and that, you know, if, if you're, if you've kissed someone else, right, then like, even, it's just so many things about like our bodies that actually there's a lot of autonomy and freedom and ownership of our own bodies um, that, you know, I do not expect that anybody I've had relationships with that I then, and then I have been this right or this ownership to, or access to their body. And I think a lot of oppression uh, towards women and, and other gender minority people is done in the name of like, well, I now have a right to your body. I have ownership over your body because we've slept together or you've given me your number or, you know, like a lot of really violent and horrific things are done in the name of, I have a right to your body. Uh, so I just wanted to add on to that. I know that got really heavy just now, but as <laughs> Kiyoshi was speaking, about that that's what was coming up for me because I was just saying this to a friend the other day as well cool but so how does you know when you are with um different relationships and they are of equal or not necessarily equal but just um on the same level playing ground how do you not get I guess the word jealousy is that something that happens in only you know, simple relationship? No. I mean, so you can, how, how does that work into the idea of acceptance of multiple partners? I think that's a good segue. I, um, I was thinking about like, just that. And before going into the word, unpacking the word jealousy, I wanted to highlight also how, like how Crystal 
we all talked about, like, for for a long time, a lot of people have been exposed to only monogamy, and therefore it's really difficult for people to wrap their heads around how, like, we don't even realize that we've only been exposed to that because it's just been presented as the norm in all of our major media outlet and everything like majority of the presentation we grew up as we as we grow older or everything is just presented to us as monogamy yeah and and not only that if i want to just add one thing before you continue not only are we only presented with monogamy but anything other than monogamy is is bad right like um it's cheating or it's um like those you know those drama programming the reality shows about multiple partners you know what i'm talking about yeah they're just they're they're made to to show that it's not working for dramatic effect to show people to just reinforce that idea that that you know monogamy is what we're reaching for and anything other than that is is not desirable it's not going to work go ahead tough right exactly and and also in that light jealousy has been like present as something really bad and and therefore we just completely avoid it even when like so the the truth is jealousy is normal and everyone experience it and the what is not working is people avoidance to unpack it to like instead of looking at jealousy as an opportunity to explore okay why are we feeling this way what is lacking how do we how do we work with that feelings that we are experiencing and what can we what can we do to make our lives better but instead people were just completely like okay that's bad let's just do everything to like avoid that and if it's happened that's bad that means you did something wrong so you should be ashamed um personally i remember growing up i didn't experience a lot of jealousy and i i thought i was I was I like, what's wrong with me? Like, <laughs> and because I was told that you should be jealous if your partner is going out with this person and and you're not involved. Like, you should be jealous if if you like. There's so many like things that we were told that we should, we should, and I'm. But yeah, so I'm going off attention there. They're related, but I just wanted to highlight the fact that like how we've been um programmed to think a certain way but instead of really embracing like like for example cheating like happens um like if people know there is an alternative <laughs> if people if people are exposed to uh polyamory as an option think about how many relationships can last they can stay ex- and expand and and also how much how much more like truth and honesty we can like we can celebrate rather than just continuing cheating or or what is that word serial monogamous um serial um, monogamy wow yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one. but then going back to cheating too is like um some people get off on the fact that they're doing something behind someone's back right it it's i don't know if whether it's the same thing but you know i'm just thinking about how like the danger of doing something that's not allowed is that something that's necessarily different whereas you know like if you have everybody all open to accepting 
anything. Um, do some people think there's a lack of, uh, I don't know, adventure or intent? I don't know. So it's it's a good thing to point out that polyamory is not just accepting everything. Everybody has different boundaries. Right. And it's important to recognize, you know, the boundaries that you need for yourself and then to communicate that with all of your partners. So one of the differences can can in polyamory could be that there's much more communication and much more deeper communication going on and self-reflection that's happening with like, okay, where are my boundaries? And um, can we all be respectful of everybody else's boundaries? And um, I was going to say something else and then I lost, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I hate that. I do that all the time. Um, oh, what were we talking about? The definitely like the not it's it's not just like yeah you can do whatever you want but it's it's totally it's totally like communicating with all of your partners and checking in constantly checking in and you can't let something that bothers you slide so like with this oh with jealousy okay I kind of remembering it now so um, with the jealousy giving it an opportunity for you to have that self-reflection and say why why am I feeling this where is it coming from what am I needing that's causing this feeling that's not what am I needing that's not being met that's causing this feeling so a really good example of that like just a very simple little thing that happens to me a lot is if one of my partners is suddenly now having an interest in in someone else I. I can feel happy for them at times. And then maybe sometimes they'll say something with that connection that they're having where I feel a little bit of uncomfortableness or jealousy that, um, oh, that they're that I'm feeling while they're talking about this other partner. And then I think about it for myself, like, why, why am I feeling this way? And usually for me, it's coming from insecurity, insecurity of my connection with that partner who's having feelings for someone else. And then I'll just say, you know, hey, I'm feeling a little insecure right now. Could you just could you just reassure me that you and I are good, you know, like that that our connection is still strong and that, you know, your feelings for this other person is not affecting that. I just need to hear you say that for me. And then that partner will say that for me and then I'll be like, "Oh, awesome. Okay. I feel that that did the trick. I'm I'm fine. I'm fine now." And this uh one last thing I wanted to say about that is that there's there's a word called compersion. And compersion means being genuinely happy for the happiness of someone else, especially in a romantic, like uh, in a romantic way, uh, romantic happiness, being happy for someone else's romantic happiness with someone else. It doesn't have to be specifically romantically, but that's the hardest part, right? <laughs> is, is when someone, someone, when your romantic partner is having romantic feelings for someone else, can you have compersion for them? Can you genuinely feel happy for their happiness with someone else? And, you know, people have, if, oh, go ahead. No, but like, what if that kind of genuine happiness for someone else affects your relationship with them? Like, so though they want to spend more time with that, their partner, and then you feel, and you know, that's where the jealousy kind of thing kicks in. It's like, okay, so what's, what's the situation now? And then it gets complicated, right? Well, yeah, those are conversations that, that you have uh, with those, with those partners about, you know, time management is definitely a thing in polyamory because we, 
that is something that is limiting limited there's only so many hours in a day and days in a week that you can spend with those partners you know but sometimes the relationships you have they don't require very much time at all sometimes those partners live very far away and maybe you only see them like once a year or a few mm-hmm. times a year and that's and that's enough it, it's enough like we have so much um uh expectations put on us that we think we need these things from these people that in order to have a close romantic relationship you have to do these things you have to move in together you have to get married you have to i don't know connect finances and all these things that the systems and society tell us like these are the things you need to do in order to be closely connected to someone when that's not actually true uh for me anyway it's not not true for me yeah so um yeah. So if my partner is wanting to spend more time with this person, then this is just a discussion that we have. Like, how much time do you think you you feel like you need to have with this person? And can we find something, a balance together? So it's, yeah, it doesn't need to become a problem if we communicate. It could be long term, short term. It just, you know, you you set the rules with each yeah. individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Jump back, jump, uh, jump in and um, tag along with this because I, this earlier on, I I shared a little bit of my personal experience and I feel like okay, I need to finish up that story so that to have a more complete picture, which is related to what both of you just talked about. So earlier on, I said that when I was younger, I didn't experience a lot of jealousy. I actually experienced a lot of compersion. But of course, I didn't have the word. And most people just point finger at me like, why are you not jealous? Are you like, do you not love this person? Why are you not jealous? Is that something wrong with you? And I was like, is that something wrong with me? Um, and then fast forward later on that I, I, I am in multiple relationship. And first time in my life, wow, I experienced jealousy. Hard. And then here is the part that was hardest because society have programmed us to think that jealousy is bad and therefore how do you deal with it and how how you're dictated by because your partner have experienced jealousy and therefore you need to do something about it and and the biggest unlearning and growing and healing too from that experience was how do i embrace my insecurity and jealousy and investigate what is it that I am experiencing like what caused that and then with the part with my partners with my partners to experience to to explore how like I don't necessarily need them to stop doing what they're doing but to make space for us to investigate how we can how what we can do between me and this partner that we could honor and reassure and grow and then but at the same time when we honor and hold space for these feelings but that doesn't mean that my partner have to stop what they're doing they still have autonomy and and we're and jealousy is not something that that would determine and and have power over other person to control their choice of how they live their life it's completely up to the individual and and that is actually it's really hard it actually takes a lot of work that's why polyamory is not easy work it's not about doing whatever you want it's actually you have to do a lot more work to communicate and i actually recently saw a meme 
that like that jokingly say anyone who's polyamorous should be able to put in their CV that they have excellent communication skills because you, it takes you so much more work and compassion and empathy um, to for yourself and for others. Um, so that's a good all- point, though. Yeah. Sorry to interject, but you know the idea of being so complicated. Some people go, "Well, why don't we just kind of keep things simple then?" Or is there something about certain personalities that are more meant to have polyamorous relationships? And yeah, you were saying. Well, well, as as Top was speaking, I was thinking a lot of it is also just letting go of control, you know, and it's like letting go of the idea that I have control over another human because I don't. You know, or that I have control over another person's feelings that I don't, or that I have control over my own attraction to other people, which I don't, <laughs> you know, it's like that person walks down the street and they're attractive and my brain knows that. And it has nothing to do with how much I love my partner, you know, like, and so a lot of it is, is letting go of, con- of the things you can't control mm. and embracing embracing that like it's okay to let go of control there's liberation in letting go of things that i don't actually have control over it's and it's more liberating to embrace the reality of my life yeah and then also like polyamory versus monogamy and thinking of monogamy as simpler a simpler way of living it's actually not quite true right I mean anybody who's been in a romantic relationship for uh, longer than a year knows that it's not easy it's not clean and simple it's messy and in order to you know commit to a partner just to stay with them over the long haul it takes it takes a lot of work and it it is it can be easier in monogamy with only one partner to kind of sweep things under the rug and decide not to deal with things right until it then it becomes such a big problem that then it's that much harder to deal with uh so so in that in that way um that's how that's how it takes much more work in polyamory because we cannot let those little things slide we have to talk about every single little thing and and address it and in that practice in that practice of communicating that's that's how um we're, we're able to, to, to navigate, not to say that we never have any problems, there's problems all the time, <laughs> but like every relationship has, has those, those issues. Yeah, exactly. But I, I'm glad you brought up the idea the, the importance of communication. And that's what we're doing now is we're trying to communicate ideas and understanding a deeper understanding of what it means to have um, um, multiple partners, or just even like you say, defining what you want and not being under control over something that has power over us that we've kind of reduced ourselves to in society let's take one another quick break and we'll come back and we'll continue our conversation on polyamory and what i'd like to do is get into kind of more the the nitty-gritties of like um the sexual um aspects of it okay continuing our conversation on polyamory here with ang toff and kyoshi so you know there are lots of things some complexities um, with relationships and humans. So can we talk into the actual kind of sexual relationship aspect? Because a lot of people who maybe don't understand it may assume, okay, oh, it means that they're having a lot of sex or that's the reason they want to be polyamorous or how does that work in terms of, you know, I, I just don't know because I'm coming from such a binary, simple, boring life myself. It's, it's just like in my deepest dreams, I wish I had multiple partners. And maybe that's part of the conversation. Like, you know, you know, um, 
what does it mean to go from one person, one body to the next and not distinguishing which gender it is either is another aspect of this that I'd love to open into. Can, can you all just kind of jump in about your, your, not to poke into your private sex lives, but if you want to share to give us an example of what it means, please. Yeah. So um, definitely sexual diversity is a thing for me. And before I say anything about that, it's like reasons for people to want to be polyamorous is, is all different. It's all different. And each one, each reason is valid. So um, like for me, sexual diversity, being able to be pansexual, which means like able to be romantic with all genders is a really big thing for me. Like the idea of having, having, finding one person and then only ever being in a sexual relationship with that one person is something that's not desirable to me. And yes, to me, sex is important. And in our culture, I rec- in our society, I recognize and I see that there's a lot of slut shaming going around, that there's some, somehow it's bad to want to have, number one, it's bad to want to have sex. And then it's bad to want to have a lot of sex, right? I, like, like you were just saying, Crystal, like I want, I feel like I want to have multiple partners, but the way that you say it makes it sound like, oh, that's a bad thing. Like I shouldn't want that. I shouldn't want that for myself. And that's, that's, I, I feel for you. I'm like, oh, I, I wish you, I wish that we could have a society that, that embraces that for everyone. And so that people don't have to feel that way about their true selves and their true natures. Um, and it's, it's, it really is human. It's human to want these things and it's religion and all this other stuff that's coming in at us. That's telling us like, don't be yourself. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, definitely like for, for me, the, um, being pansexual and having polyamorous relationships with multiple, uh, peoples of, multiple genders is is definitely something that I really have come to embrace and, and really enjoy. And I'll just stop there. I used to think that it sounds confusing to switch from different um, genders or whatever. Um, but then what I've come to understand or trying to understand is that it's really beautiful to be able to know somebody not based on what their gender is. It's, it's who they are and why you're attracted to them and why yes. you don't think about that. Yes. Why does it matter what people have between their legs? Exactly. We fall in love with people, you know, and like, wow, we really are caught up with what people have between their legs. And, and okay. So some people may argue, well, you can't replace a penis, for example, like that inner, but that's not true, right? And, or, or what does it mean to have that kind of like ultimate um, sexual experience? And why does it matter which gender it is that offers that? And sexual pleasure is a very wide and diverse spectrum. And everyone's experience with sexual pleasure is different. And, and also, while we're talking about this, I also don't want to leave out folks who are asexual. Mm. Um, because, like, like one of the things that comes to mind, I personally identify as pansexual. And, and then one of the really liberating things about polyamory is that I don't put my expectation of sexual, expect, uh, sexual pleasure onto one of my partner like I can fulfill my different needs the different sexual needs with different partners and thinking about those who like so we talk about how society like like controlled us and make us think that like wanting sex is bad but then when we are 
in partnership, we we are obligated to to fulfill those needs for our partner. But then it's such a like extreme um, uh, existence. But then, so those who want a lot of sex or those who don't want sex at all, like are completely othered. So mm. with this, with the concept of polyamory, then you can balance. You can you can actually alleviate these obligations and expectations not on just one partner and so so that is actually so much more healthy and sustainable um which is what i yeah like and and personally it's very liberating for me too because like with monogamy like and if i am as a transsexual person if i'm in a monogamous relationship then i have to come to peace that some of some part of me will have to be like not getting fulfilled which is not a bad thing if there's this choice in like that if i made the choice to do that so it's not a bad thing that if you choose to be monogamous but but then we also shouldn't other and demonize those who want to choose to fulfill their needs and yeah so i'm gonna pause here (laughs) yeah i'd love to jump in actually because i (laughs) I I spoke to my partner before this conversation just because I had a feeling this would come up. My partner and I are not currently sexual. Um, And that's actually due to the pandemic. Mm. Like, we haven't been able to go there because the world, because the world, right? And so polyamory has actually a lot we're also currently not dating anybody else right and we live together so outwardly we look like a monogamous couple whose passion has died right (laughs) we look like a failed story right and what I love about our story is that every day we wake up and say I love you more today than I did yesterday right because we have found new ways to love each other every single day that has nothing to do with sex, right? And because polyamory, if we ever needed to go out with someone else and you know experience a sexual encounter, we would have the support and the respect and the autonomy to do that. And we would, you know, we would be able to fulfill that need if we needed to. And, and so there isn't this pressure of like, we're not having sex, therefore we have failed at our relationship, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually like, we're not having sex and that's where our relationship is right now. And that's okay. And like, I love cooking with you. I love cleaning with you. Even grocery shopping and doing laundry with you is so much more fun than doing it by myself, you know? And we just we've found new ways to love each other that has that has nothing to do with that and and it's removed all pressure of like you know i i've been in relationships before where it's like sexual passion like comes and goes and that's okay and that's normal but when you are monogamous there's this pressure of like something is wrong with us right because that's the thing that's holding our relationship together and if one person needs sex and the other person's not able to give sex then everybody feels bad (laughs) you know and and so in this case it's 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 super liberating and it's removed that pressure 
of like, if I don't feel like having sex, I don't have to have it. And that's okay. And everybody has different sex drives, right? You know, mm -hmm. and you can't judge a person based on that. And it's not necessarily have any reflection on you in the relationship. So that's also something to consider, I think. Um, what about culturally? Does, does that come into play like pressures of how we were brought up, whatever our background, uh, whether it's ethnic, ethnically influenced or, um, you know, whatever your cultural kind of circle is that informs you of, you know, do you, do you keep this, do you keep your relationships so-called under the rug to the larger society because of just the way you know people are going to perceive this? You know, the fact that we all have avatars today, like why, let's talk a little bit about, you know, how, why, why do we need this? I'm unmuted, I'm gonna start. <laughs> yep, exactly, I was just thinking, that's why um, some of us or we chose to not use our real name today is, um, but I, I am out to uh, my immediate family and, but- How yes, did they respond correct. to that? Can you share a little bit about that? When you um, first- So yeah. I am, so I'm Chinese, um, Chinese upbringings. Yes, there was a lot of, um, yeah, I, I still internalized a lot of that stigma. And therefore it's really difficult to, to come out, to be open. I wish I can because like I I wish some of my partners could have the visibility that they that like I wish we could just like openly and and share our joy and and all that but unfortunately I still carry a lot of those stigmas and I'm not comfortable to be fully out because of my work circle because of my family and I mean larger family like and and I don't want my parents to have to carry like those, those like the load too. Um, they are accepting. They are. Um, it's funny when I came up because my my parents know that I am pansexual, and and when I came out to them, I was very surprised because my father was like, "Oh, I'm so relieved to hear that," <laughs> because like he he understand in some way that like what we talked about earlier. Um, if if some of your needs are not being fulfilled how how is your like if you only have one relationship and how how is that gonna sustain and so in some way he was um supportive that i am finding ways to actively attend to my needs and we're finding ways to to yeah, to live our lives. And but that's very unusual, life. right? For like right. traditional Chinese families. You're lucky, it I have is. to say. I've been watching a lot of films now because in my um, women in film class, we're, we're discussing films about, you know, um, non-binary relationships and how that affects like, you know, larger Chinese families and all that. And it's like, most people like ultimately going to go, well, well, how are you going to have kids? What are you going to do? You know, those kind of questions always come into play or what you do to lie about your situation in order to satisfy their expectations. And then you go and do your thing on the side secretly, you know, what are those, does, does that affect you? Let's go deeper. Like what, when it comes to like wanting to have children and all this stuff, how, how would that complicate a polyamorous relationship? <laughs> That's an interesting, like, I mean, you know, like I, I think about it as in like having children is not just to like, 
well, I'm I'm having a lot of feelings about it is because I'm thinking about like systemically society. Like having children needs so much. Like you need a lot of money, you need a lot of time, and with like the current housing crisis, like and all that, <laughs> right? So it takes so much. Like and for me, I'm thinking polyamory is probably the only way that I could do it, <laughs> because if you just only relied on two person, I don't see. Like I I just feel like oh my gosh, how are we gonna do that? And well, why would somebody who is not the father or other part of your child want to support your child that anyone want to yeah i can jump in here um so i actually do know uh, a um three people who are raising their child um so um they let's see how do it so so two people were married and then uh decided at some you know they would like to open up their marriage. And so one of them started dating this other person. And then this other person also started dating the other person as well. So all three of them are actually in a relationship and with each other separately in a way. Right. Um, So they're never together at the same time, like in terms of like sexual relationship. So what happened was the married couple actually then got pregnant. Uh, I think it was unplanned. Uh, And they, you know, approached their partner and said, Hey, you know, we're going to have a baby. Do you want to be on the birth certificate? And the partner said, yes. And so they, all three of them live together. They have three incomes. They have three parents who are on the birth certificate and available to take care of this toddler. Um, And they have a beautiful life together and they're all co-parents and, and, the reason I think on, I'm based in Canada, but I think the reason Ontario now allows multiple parents on a birth certificate is because of adoption or like sperm donorship. It's something like, like that actually opened up a lot of opportunities for polyamorous couples to now all be co-parents on a birth certificate as well. Um, Now that's obviously not my story, but you know, this is, you know friends of mine who the question of like why would you want to be on a birth certificate it's like well if the people you love are having a baby why wouldn't you want to be on the birth certificate like that's your child too in a way you know like I think there is also this we have this idea that you know parents should be responsible solely for their own child and they and that's it but again, that's a really like new idea that is tied, I think, a lot to capitalism, if I'm honest. <laughs> and like, but the idea of it takes a village to raise a child is age old, right? Like, we, you know, children should be raised by multiple people, they are healthier when they are. And, and it's like, I see every child that in like my sphere as like my responsibility to raise you know like I have a responsibility to every child in my life to be a, a person in there as a stable responsible person in their life that's and really so- interesting yeah I mean I, I don't know how it is in the U.S. with those rules but I was thinking that it would be a disadvantage to people because of these stupid you know 
ideas of, of parenting and how a lot of people don't have um, childcare or whatever it is access because of these limitations. So that that's really eye-opening to me. Um, but within how does that idea of commitment come into play then? Is it like when you have a kid, then you feel like, okay, I'm going to commit to it, but you know, this is, this is my responsibility for life too. But in terms of a relationship, if, we, if the kid isn't in the picture, um, what is the understanding of commitment um, in general? I think that is really up to the persons who are involved. Like, so, so it's, it's not like, I mean, think about adopt adoptions and, you know, biological parents and adoptive parents. And like, those are also, those are the stories that we don't hear a lot. And then there's a lot of stigma, how people think about it. It needs like a lot of unlearning too. So in this scenario, it's, I think in, it's in some way it's similar that it's those who are involved, like for example, uh, and story of the three person, like they're involved and they have a communication and they make the choices and commitment to each other. But, but that doesn't mean that all poly relationship if one of them it's it's having they are having child that means all the other people have to be involved like they all need to communicate about it when they when they are going to cross that bridge and and therefore all the people involved make the choice whether or not they will be the co-parent or not and how involved they are and like this is true for I think monogamous like monogamous relationship when if like the 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 partners are not like nesting partner meaning that they are divorced or they are separate like so those situations are not like are not new it's it's just we carry so much stigma around it and like we just like um avoid talking about it and we avoid dissecting it in a way that oh it's a choice that we make and we can negotiate collaborate um and make choices together and make the so-called like make those commitment together and actually this reminds me of you know what i read about ancient chinese like um family this concept of family it's it's a big family it's a community and but whereas capitalism um or i or like the world like while living in the u.s like it's everyone is thinking about it's a unit single like yeah individual right yeah and which is very like different and it's all put upon the the two person that are parenting um yeah so it's it's just perspective well and also the idea of a nuclear family is also homophobic right and it's Mm. also Mm. you know and it's it, uh, it's just a very like white middle class, upper middle class, you know, kind of family ideal that, that very few people actually fit to. And yet so many people are told, everybody in the US is told to strive for, right? And if you do not have this nuclear family, then again, you are failing at parenting. I mean, how much shame do we put on single parent households for being single parents? You know, when, as we've just described, I mean, like the idea of even just like parenting with two people is overwhelming for tough. I mean, you know, like the struggles that single parents go through to raise their child, you know, and the shame that they go through Mm -hmm. when, you know, 
we should always be supporting parents every single time because parents are are raising the next generation and and I don't know I it is I am not a parent I don't plan to be mm-hmm. um, but it is one of my pet peeves like frustrates me to no end when I see the shame that we put on to parents and especially single parents and the system that supports or doesn't support it is is vital to you know the the the, the the well-being of, of, of everybody. So, you know, I know we can talk about this forever and I think we need to wrap it up. And, um, but there's just so many questions lingering in my head. And, um, you know, I think about how media influences the way we all view ourselves and the increasing amount of new shows out there that kind of offer new perspectives on relationships. I don't know if you agree or not of whether this is a promising direction um, at the same time, we're still kind of inundated with a lot of mass media. That is very much what you said about this kind of white um, homophobic world, binary world. So what are some final thoughts that you want to share about maybe kind of understanding polyamory? And maybe I think it's the, it's a really beautiful metaphor for life's approach in breaking down barriers and trying to kind of you know, deconstructs what we think we understand about our bodies and about relationships. So what are some thoughts you want to leave us with? (laughs) Don't jump in at once or anything. Just, uh, is there any, I know maybe it's not like a final mess. Don't, don't feel like it's a final message or anything, but just, just thoughts for today then, you know, um, where, where do you think it's going to take us? Like, how do, how do we, yeah, just final thoughts on this idea. Well, I, I think like any, you know, identity, you know, I, I hope people will not take away from this that, you know, the way we live our lives should be imposed onto everybody. You know, I think the takeaway that I hope people will have from from this conversation and also from like the idea of polyamory is that it really encourages and inspires us to to first have a relationship with ourselves, right? That, and that's, I mean, certainly true with any relationship, whether it's familial or monogamous or polyamorous is you're a better, you're a better partner, a better family member, if you have a good relationship with yourself first. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's a lot of what polyamory has taught me is um, to, to, like, I'm a better partner when I eat, you know, I'm a better partner when I'm not burnt out from work. I'm a better partner when I look in the mirror and I say, you know, I wouldn't change a thing, you know, like, it's those things. And, and we need to know, I think, what works for us as individuals, right? And I also think that's where consent comes in as well, right? Is I'm able to give consent when, when I know what I do want and what I don't want. Um, and so I, I, I hope folks are not <laughs> sitting at home or in their cars and thinking, oh, I'm being told to now go out and have five relationships. It's like, no, I think, I hope what the in, this will inspire is actually 
you know, really sit with yourself and, and ask yourself, what do I really want? You know, what do I really need to be happy in this world? And, and, you know, and to question, to question, I think what we've always held as true or question what we've always known as the right thing or, or the wrong thing. Because uh, often if there is a binary in there of like right and wrong, question that. Um, mm. Definitely question the binary. <laughs> yes, question the binary. I'm doing that takeout. That's my takeaway. That's great. Thank you so much for articulating that. Anyone else? Um, I just thought maybe I could. That's a that's a really loaded <laughs> uh, question. But then I was like, okay, I'm gonna wrap up my thoughts today with the story of the chosen character that I am today. Great. <laughs> and. So we talked about during the break that how I forgot to mention Toph is also blind. And and one of the things was because it's often forget that Toph is blind because Toph can see uh, with their feet, um, feeling their earth bending power. They can see everything surrounding them, the movement, and they see the world in a different lens. And, and I think that's kind of like the metaphor of how we the stigma carried around, oh, blind, disability, therefore failure. But actually, no, there's so many different ways to experience the world, experience relationship, experience connection, interconnection. And and I think it's just that I have chosen to embrace my truth. And, and despite all this, you know, stigma that carries around it, and I find my connection, found my people, <laughs> and find my love and happiness and and yeah and I find so much strength in it so it's not about what like how you choose your what kind of relationship style that you choose to live but it's more about how do you embrace your truth that's great thank you so much Toph. Kyoshi any final words yeah my my hope uh for folks to take away from from this conversation is is to is I hope that this will uh, start more conversations, just more conversations about relationships and, and investigating of feelings and trying to grow our relationships with each other and make them stronger and deeper. Any kind of relationships doesn't have to be romantic or sexual. Uh, and through the deepening of our relationships with each other, if everyone can do that and get that practice of noticing our feelings, acknowledging our feelings, and working through our feelings with the people that we love and care about. That's how we can make these small incremental changes in our society to eventually grow and become this world that we want to live in. Wow. You guys all just, I'm just going to leave it at that because there's so much breath in everything all three of you said. I really, really appreciate your sharing. Um, and um, let's just open up this as a continual conversation. And thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. That was Ang, Tof, and Kyoshi here at K2H. Thank you.